0: I'm Rex Baker, and welcome to God After Dark, a podcast where we share stories of how God shows up in the dark places of our lives and does a miracle. God After Dark is produced by Gateway Rescue Mission right here in Jackson, Mississippi. In today's episode, we're visiting with Gerald Snell. Gerald is the manager of our overnight shelter at Gateway. So welcome, Gerald.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here.
0: Gerald, uh, talk us through who you see coming into our shelter at Gateway Rescue
1: Mission? Well, the homeless population is somewhat diverse. You have old and young men, black, white, Hispanic. Um, You have those who are suffering from mental illness, substance abuse. Like I said, it just runs the gamut. You even have the working poor, people who don't have substance abuse or... um, Mental illness. They just can't afford housing, and so we, we get them all there at Gateway.
0: And I think sometimes that's what pe- people want to paint the homeless with one broad stroke. That's true. That's They're true. really not. You've got all different.
1: You got all subsets. Different, every every different um, condition or scenario that a person faces um, can lead them into homelessness. You know, it could be just insufficient income. It could be, like I said, mental illness, and it could be torn relationships because of substance abuse.
0: But talk about some of the primary issues that you see people presenting with when they come to the shelter.
1: Mental illness—that uh, that seems to be um, the prevailing problem. Uh, whether their mental illness is caused by drug addiction or maybe. Uh, The drug addiction happens because of mental illness, but mental illness, schizophrenia, um, borderline personalities, you see all that at the shelter. And uh, our challenge is always to show them the love of Christ, but maintain a peaceful, safe environment for those that are in need.
0: Gerald, walk us through a day at the shelter from the viewpoint of Gerald Snell. You live in our shelter.
1: Yeah, that's that's a challenge. When you live where you work at, basically on duty 24 hours a day, at any moment, there's an issue to be handled. From sunup to we start doing intake is we have the walk-in crowd. People always come there with a need. Some people come with a need for clothes. Some people come with a need for a toiletry. Some people just need a shower. And so we're constantly having to deal with that throughout the day. And what's what's sad is sometimes people present with needs that we just can't help. We can't fulfill them. You, you kind of feel helpless because you know that if we can't help them, there's probably very few other people within the community that can help them. It just makes you feel helpless sometimes when you can't meet a person's need. But the flip side of that is we often can. You know, through the donations and the, uh, charitable giving, uh, giving of other people, we're able to uh, give a person a shower, change of clothes, change your underwear, a good warm meal, a bed to sleep in. So those are some of the rewards. But like I said, you also have to deal with the reality that you can't help everyone.
0: Give us a couple of personal examples. Describe a couple of the real in real people terms, not just aggregate, but.
1: We had a young man uh, present, come to our shelter once. And he was a big. He was a big guy. He was. He was really overweight. But he had sores all on his legs and on his feet. He didn't have any shoes on. The clothes he had on were real tattered. And um, the police brought him there, and brought him there to see if, we could, if there was anything we could do to help him. And we didn't have anybody <laughs> his size, so we didn't have any clothes on hand to give him. And I mean, he, his his sores were so bad and exposed that it wouldn't be safe for him to stay at our facility because we, we're not a medical facility. And it's, it's one of those situations where you just feel helpless, where the only thing you can do is give him a bath, make him wrap up in a sheet and sit in a place while we wash his clothes, and then send him on his way. You know, it's... It's situations like that that are sometimes heartbreaking, but that's part of life, you know, and that's, that's part of life.
0: I've seen people come in, and I know you have because you deal with them who may be older or in, in some way have a disability. They can't get around, but yet they're kind of falling through the cracks, so we help them.
1: When I said diverse, diversity is one of the things we uh, face here at the shelter. You have. Kids that are 18 and 19 years old, but you also have elderly, 73 and 75. I try to go an extra mile for them because they are vulnerable because of their age and because of their physical condition. But at the same time, yeah, they're falling through the cracks. We can't be all things to all people. And so sometimes the elderly, the mentally ill, you know, they need additional help.
0: I've, I've seen people come into the shelter elderly who it's really sad because mm-hmm. they really, they really almost need to be in a nursing home, Sorry, but they've fallen through the cracks. And even though it's someone that we might technically not be able to help, I've seen you guys help them anyway, get them in the shower, wash them off, help them change their clothes, that sort of thing.
1: Yeah. I, I think as Christians, um, that's the least we can do. You know, um, I, I can't help but think, but for the grace of God, you know, there go I. And, and I, I think just as a Christian, we're supposed to let our light shine. We're supposed to be Jesus on earth for them. You know, we we, we may not be able to perform miracles, but we can show people love and concern and and. That's one of the brighter spots to work in there because you always have an opportunity to make a positive impact in somebody's life.
0: So, we've got a, a gentleman who stays at our shelter a lot. You dealt with him this morning. Won't call his name, but uh, talk us through this particular individual.
1: He's one of the brotherhood. That's, I, I tell his children or those that I talk to about him, he's one of the guys, and we treat him like he's our brother. Unfortunately, he has schizophrenia, you know, but he's 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 just as gentle and fun-loving and funny. But um, it's just a case where he's got very, very, very limited family support, but he loves Gateway. He loves the fellowship that we we experienced there and he's part of that and at, at first he wasn't now and and I I'm going to I'm going to take the credit for that because I had to fight against other staff people to just let him be because he doesn't mean any harm and he'll do whatever you ask him to do he's just he's just schizophrenic but right now he feels safe he feels comfortable we are his family and he's our brother and so um, it's just a joy to have him around. And he's challenged sometimes. Sometimes it's hard for him to get out to bed in the morning, and sometimes— I have that problem, too. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> me, too. But sometimes he talks to himself out loud in class, but he he wants to be a part of that class. He, he, he tells me all the time, oh, I'm going to hear Mr. Ford. I'm going to hear Pastor Sweet. So he loves going in there.
0: You, you are so right. He is a friendly— schizophrenic so sometimes you think well schizophrenics are are kind of angry and a lot of them are but but this is a very outgoing uh talkative schizophrenic
1: friendly easy going he's just he's just suffering from mental illness and we've tried to get him uh to look into you know improving his living conditions maybe going outside and using his his income now to try to find a place to stay and he's just comfortable with us and we're comfortable with him so As long as it's like that, there's no problem.
0: He is one of those people, when I look at him and I see how you guys minister to him, that you're like, maybe he's the reason that Gateway Rescue Mission exists, because God loves him just like he loves all the rest of us. And and we know that when he is in our shelter, he's got a safe place, he's got some food to eat, People will love on him a little bit. He will go to our, our chapel services. He'll raise his hands in praise, and then talk to himself for a while.
1: Yeah, but but we're his family, and and we're we're important to him because we give him stability and safety. And that's not there's no judgmentalism. You know, we have to get on him sometimes about showering and changing his clothes and everything, but he he appreciates that. You know, so.
0: Let's switch gears here. Talk about drugs. Uh, what what do you see among the people who come to our shelter and the influence of drugs in their life, the types of drugs they're using, that sort of thing?
1: Well, of course, you only you have your chronic users of marijuana, uh, spice, PCP, crack, crystal meth. And I've been in that lifestyle And so I understand the grips that it can have on you. And um, you see some people that have literally thrown in the towel that, you know, they just accept their addiction as a part of their life. And I think they might even think the challenge is too great to try to do something different. And so you see some of the same people in the same condition. I'm going on my second year at Gateway, but they've been there since before I got there. And they'll probably be there, you know, for years in the future because drugs can have a grip on you where you don't even want to fight fight it anymore. You just succumb to it, and it becomes a part of what you do. And I think you see a lot of people in the homeless population that have come to that point that this is just what they do. They live to get high and get high to live. And uh, like I said, I'm not judging them because I was in that life and I understand, but for the power of God in my life, I would have probably still been there. And I think what, what our facility does, what, what Gateway does is instill hope in them. You know, even if I'm not ready to change, if I know that there is hope that I can't change, you know, if if. I think the guys like going to chapel service because even in the midst of their addiction, even in the midst of their struggle, if they continue to hear a message of hope, that in itself provides hope. Uh, You don't know how many times we've had an evening chapel service where uh, when you tell the guys, all right, 6 o'clock, it's chapel time, you're met with a little, oh, man, come on, man, we got to go to chapel. But when they come out, they say, man, I needed to hear that. You know, I I had one come up to me last week and said, Mr. Joe, I'm glad y'all made us go to chapel, man, because I needed to hear that. And I think, like you said, how God has probably established a place like Gateway for John, it's also for those other guys. They need to hear it. And and I I think that's why a lot of them like coming to Gateway, because they can leave out of their thinking optimistically about the future.
0: So um, I want you to come back, Gerald, another episode where you can get more into your story because you have a fascinating story of your own life and where you've been and what you've done. But just for the record, we give a guy what? Uh, and, and this is a men's
1: shelter, three nights a week. Well, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. It's since as I'm the... <laughs> Sure, overnight what, this is an honest forum yeah. here, Gerald. I, I, look, when it's extremely cold or it's extremely hot, both of those situations can be detrimental and life-threatening. And so normally we would do three days. But if it's like a heat wave, uh, we'll try to extend that, you know, because one thing we don't want to do is be so rules-regimented that we allow people to suffer out there in the heat. Like I said, the heat and the cold are extreme conditions that uh, we can be flexible. So usually it's about three days a week, and then they'll go to another facility. But under those conditions, sometimes we'll just let them go. As long as they behave and understand that we have rules and we have expectations uh, and,
0: and I've learned from you because, you, you, you know, when we'd be in a, in a meeting or something, mm-hmm. well, why are these guys getting so many days? And you would remind us that if they're in our shelter, mm-hmm. they're not becoming a victim of crime. Right. They're not perpetrating a crime. Right. They're
1: not out using drugs that night. See, w- with our facility, it, it, what's so great about our facility, we take you in in the evening. We give you dinner that night, a bath, a bed. When you wake up in the morning. You've had a peaceful night's sleep, you get breakfast in the morning, and then we send you on your way to to, to the day's challenges. And with those meals, that takes stress off a person. Now, I don't have to worry about how I'm going to eat in the morning, because Gateway's going to feed me. I don't have to worry about how I'm going to eat tonight, because Gateway's going to feed me. And uh, that takes away the desperation. So if a person's desperate, he'll do something in order to eat, and in order to... uh, you know, survive, but if, if, if we can do that, then we eliminate them as crime victims and crime perpetrators for that evening.
0: Wrap things up here, but I've got a couple of questions I want to ask you. Number one,
1: what frustrates you in your work
0: with the homeless?
1: Sometimes you, you, you see that Jesus is the answer. I mean, I, if, if you heard my story, you'd understand why I say the answer is Christ. And you can pound that message and pound that message and pound that message. But until a person is willing to surrender their lives to Christ, then they're going to be going around the same mountain year after year after year after year. And that frustrates me. It it frustrates me when you see the ingratitude of those that come to your facility for help but then they're not grateful for the help they get. In fact, they want to criticize you on how you're not meeting their needs, but you're not meeting your own needs. And sometimes that, that, that's a little frustrating.
0: What makes you feel good
1: about what you do at Gateway Rescue When you see lives change. When you see uh, we, we've, we've had some guys that were in the transit ranks that came and got in our program, that did the six months in the program they got the psychological and spiritual help that they need. they got jobs and now are very optimistic towards the future. You know, I, I, I like when people celebrate anniversaries of clean time, like I got a year clean. That's, you know, that's a big accomplishment. And so uh, those are some of the rewarding things you see around the mission.
0: One last question, Gerald. What would you want people to know about the homeless population that they might not know.
1: These people have lives. You know, they, they, weren't, they, weren't, they made a series, some of them, some made a series of bad decisions. Maybe, maybe the main decision was getting involved with a mind-mood-altering substance that take, took over their lives. But at the heart of the matter, these are people. These are the same ones Jesus died for. And, you know, you kind of have to look at them through the eyes of the lord if that's at all possible and 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 understand that but for the grace of god that could be you or your loved ones so just remember they're human and you never know what impact you can make on their lives by showing them some kindness
0: that's right been visiting with Gerald Snell here on God after dark and I uh, want to close out today with with a little devotional thought i have been reading recently in the book of Job. Now, Job was a good person, lived way back in antiquity, but he was also very wealthy. And God allowed Satan to take away all of Job's riches, kill his children, make Job physically ill with sores all over his body. But the Bible isn't real clear on why God allowed Satan to do these terrible things to a really good person. For that matter, Why is the book of Job even in the Bible? It's not a very happy book. I'm going to speculate a little bit here. There will be times in our lives when we experience difficulties, and we cannot explain why. Why did God allow something bad to happen to us when we are generally trying to live a good life? We can justify something bad happening when we've done something bad, but it's hard, maybe even impossible, to explain why God allows bad to happen when we've been generally good. Well, the Bible describes a spiritual conflict between God and Satan over Job. The Bible says Job was blameless, upright, fearing God, and turning away from evil. He had seven sons and three daughters and thousands of sheep, camel, oxen. Job was a wealthy man. And God told Satan, have you considered my servant Job? He is blameless and upright, fearing God and turning away from evil. Well, Satan says to God, you let me mess with him and he'll curse you to your face. So God lets Satan kill Job's children, kill his servants, and send his enemies to steal all Job's wealth and to strike Job with boils and sores. Over his body. In all of this, Job questions God, but he does not curse God. At the end of the book of Job, we find that because of Job's faithfulness, God restores Job, blesses him with more children, and doubles his wealth, and he lives 140 more years. But here's an interesting note. At the beginning of the book of Job, the Bible takes us to the spiritual realm, to the throne of God, and shows the angels and Satan coming before God. But at the end of the story, we do not get to see what happens in the spiritual realm because of Job's obedience. In this world, we may never see the full ramifications of a Christian who keeps the faith when going through a trial. If you are a follower of God and find yourself in a trial not of your making, or sometimes maybe it is of your making, but we don't get in this life to see sometimes the full impact of standing firm in our faith when death comes to a loved one, or disease, or poverty, or persecution, or addiction. When you find yourself in the trial, in the fire, stand firm. You don't have to like it. You can pray to God and say, why me, Lord? But trust God that your obedience in a time of distress may have ramifications in the spiritual world that we don't see in this life. You've been listening to God After Dark, a production of Gateway Rescue Mission. I'm your host, Rex Baker. And until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you